The Golden Gophers, they stay rowing the boat. They win another bowl game under P.J. Fleck. I got Ron Johnson. I got Kane Robb. They're going to help me break it all down, and it's all coming up next on today's Locked On Gophers Postcast. You are Locked On Golden Gophers Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Gophers win their seventh, count them, seventh bowl game in a row. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another Golden Gophers postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Joining us, as always, Gophers Hall of Famer, Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show. Each and every Tuesday, follow him on X, if you haven't already, of course. He's at 3 Ron Johnson, And then we got Kane Rob, host of Lockdown Gophers podcast. He's on X as well. At Gophers, Kane, Rob, plenty to get into today, guys, over the next 30 minutes or so, recapping the Gophers Bowl game, a little look ahead, what the roster is going to look like in 2024. But first, quick reminder before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, fellas, let's just jump right into it. Gophers come in today, 6-0 record in their last six bowl games. P.J. Fleck, 4-0 in those bowl games since he's been here, taking on Bowling Green, who, of course, shocked them two years ago at home, 14-10. Gophers, 31-point favorites. We don't talk about that anymore, though. They're looking for a little vengeance today, though. They want to end the season on a high note. Of course, like a lot of these college bowl games now, both teams Without some of their best players, Minnesota, without safety, Tyler Newbin. Maybe most importantly, though, they're missing their starting quarterback, Athene Kaliagmanis. He hit the transfer portal. We'll get in all that in a little bit. But let's start where we always do, Ron. Your biggest headlines, biggest takeaways from today's 30-24 win over Bowling Green. Uh, where their starting quarterback is Max Brosner. So he was not able to play because he transferred in. Uh, that's the only quarterback that we're going to talk about moving forward. Uh, but no, uh, I mean, my storyline is Cole Kramer only threw for 26 yards. So I was hoping for an Uncle Rico type of game moment where he can go off into the sunset, tell his grandkids he won the uh, the, the bowl game, the quick lane bowl in Detroit his senior year after like moving away and the team needed him to come back and win. And it was all because of Darius Taylor. Like Darius Taylor, the headline for me is, He's as good as advertised. And when you see him in the Wildcat, uh, just the confidence on the RPO for him. To, and it wasn't really an RPO. He wasn't going to throw the ball. Um, but just for him to be able to read option that thing and decide if he's going to keep it or he's going to give it off to, to Jordan Newbin. I wish he would have gave it off maybe once just to show he could even hand the ball off. But there's Green. Like he's he's the uh, – or sorry, Darius Taylor. He's the, mm-hmm. he's the A topic for me. He's the guy that everybody – was wondering, and then 208 yards on the ground. I mean, that just put a stamp on get ready for 2024. This kid could give you 170 to 200 yards per game, especially in some of those early games. Yeah, absolutely. And and to that point, too, I'm okay, no starting quarterback, Cole Kramer, uh, like you mentioned, Ron, his first and only start of his collegiate career ends up happening in a bowl game. I mentioned no Newbin, right? No Brevin Span Ford, no defensive coordinator on the other side of the ball either. So in turn, you're right, Ron, they relied 
heavily on Darius Taylor once again, the freshman phenom. And I think I think people on a national level today, Kane, they got to see just how special this kid is. Kramer, like you mentioned, 19 yards passing at halftime. You're thinking, okay, you can't do that again, Kenny. Yeah, pretty much the same pace in the second half as well. They were only down one point, though, at halftime, thanks to Taylor, who had almost 100 all-purpose yards through only two quarters of play. Ends the day. 35 carries, 208 in a tug. So when healthy, Kane, I think you can already see he is the bell cow and kind of big play guy. P.J. Fleck would just love to run his style of offense through, beat you up on the ground. And it, it was all Taylor, I think, who showed why it was so important that he stayed committed to the Gophers and didn't hit the portal, right? Absolutely. And I think that it's going to be huge to know that you can rely on that moving forward. But I know there are a lot of fans out there, too, that are like, well, we don't want to run them into the ground. We don't want to have injuries. Well, that's where Max Brosmer can step in and hopefully have more of that efficient passing game to take that off of his shoulders at times. But we even saw with a limited amount of carries today, Jordan Newbin still has the ability to break some off, too. So I think you add that you add C.A. Bengura, who's coming from the transfer portal. The Gophers will be in good shape to run the style of ball that they want to run and no matter how much fans might want to see them move to more of a passing game I think we're going to see a run first approach as we have for the past seven years but it comes down to efficiency moving forward but Darius Taylor has this Gophers team in a good spot yeah and you're you you nailed it man that one-two punch right there between Taylor He's going to be the bell cow, sure. But Jordan Newman, brother of Tyler, obviously, he's been shown he can carry the rock as well. It wasn't long ago, two months ago, 40 carries, 200-yard game against Michigan State. That duo could be exactly what this offense needs next year in 2024. Ron, I know you mentioned we're only going to talk about Max Prosmer, but quick, 30 seconds. You played the college game. This is why I want to know and pick your brain. Go for Hall of Famer. And in your time, you've kind of seen it all. Explain how crazy it was for Cole Kramer to get his one and only start of his career in a bowl game. How cool was that to see him go out on top with a win, albeit sure not against the greatest competition. But hey, don't forget Bowling Green winners of their last five in a row coming into today. And nonetheless, I think Cole Kramer, who again is never going to throw another pass or start another game, turned himself into somewhat of a, a urban legend, if you will, today. So for him to come into that game, pull off what he did, I guess just kind of how rare is that? How difficult is that? coming into a, a, a game like that, a collegiate level, no less, knowing how competitive things can get at this level. Oh, it's not hard at all. I mean, when you're, he's been there forever. So there's the thing. If he was, if it was, uh, was it chicken, uh, chickenowski or chicken, chicken Jansky, yeah, yeah. Jansky, uh, I, I would be more like, whoa, okay, for this freshman to come out of nowhere and do this, never play, but I would understand. Cole Kramer's played in games. He's been in games when guys get hurt. He's come in in a wildcat uh, scenario. So he he and he's been here. I mean, almost it felt like as long as Tanner Morgan. So he knows PJ's right. offense. Uh, I think it just it, it it boils down a little bit more to his ability and that he, unfortunately, he isn't what Ethan Kellegg Manis is. I was that's it. I was wondering. I'm like, man, are we gonna get like a 250 yard game from Cole Kramer and everybody's gonna be like, man, I wonder why they didn't play Cole Kramer. And then you're like. Okay, I see why. Like okay, some of his throws it. were just errant throws. Um, some of his decisions weren't the best, where it's like on third down, always trying to make the play versus just taking the guy on the shallow, letting him run with the ball. Uh, you know, you see the deep, the deep ball he throws like 10 yards in front of Daniel Jackson. Um, it's just a little bit of stuff like that. Just like, oh, okay, I kind of see it. Cause the same thing happened in North Carolina. He YOLO balled that and it was interception. And it's like, dude, just come in and, and just throw it to somewhere other than the other team. Um, but no, it, it it's not that hard when you've been here that long. I think more so ability-wise, 
we see why he was a backup. But, you know, it was good for him to be able to hand the ball off uh, to a guy like Darius Taylor 35 times. Um, that was crazy, like 35 carries. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm on the side of don't wear this kid down. Like we saw the injuries pop up this past year as a freshman. You have a guy in Jordan Newman, three carries, 24 yards, and eight uh, eight yards per run. You got to you gotta go 20 and 20 and treat this like Marion Barber and Lawrence Maroney. I don't know if the Gophers will do that, but that's going to be the sad thing if they don't because we've seen it work uh, in the past with two running backs knowing going into the game, hey, we're going to split this. You're going to get maybe 25, you'll get 15, but that's going to be how we do it versus, you know, three and 35. I, I feel like they have to split it up as the season goes. Yeah, well said. Two catches, 11 yards, touched the ball 37 times, almost 230 all-purpose yards. All right, don't go anywhere. I want to ask you more about this roster shakeup now, what it's all going to look like next season, specifically at quarterback. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at FanDuel. Quick reminder, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any money line. That means you could take the 49ers this week versus the Washington Commanders. They're 13 and a half point favorites. You bet five bucks on them to win straight up you could win yourself $150 in bonus bets. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire college season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, talk to me about this major roster shakeup now because uh, it it could look night and day from what we had at the beginning of the year going into the start of next year. And it started during the transfer portal. Obviously, Ron brought it up. Max Brosmer, the New Hampshire kid, ob- he lit it up last season. If you just look at the stats, albeit lower-level competition, but the guy put up one of the better statistical seasons of any quarterback in 2023. And now you get to plug him under center, hopefully shock some new blood, some more consistency in that quarterback. Kane, what gets you the most excited from his game after doing all the deep dives that you have on him? Yeah, I think the thing I'm most excited about, I talked with one of his quarterback coaches. So he works with quarterback coach Sean McAvoy and Quincy Avery, and both of them work with guys like Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, uh, Malik Willis, a lot of guys who have been going to the NFL draft. And they said that even next to those guys, he really stands out and he might not be as athletically gifted as them, but the way he can read the field, make quick reads, get through multiple reads, that's exactly what the Gophers are going to need him to do coming into this offense. And I think that's a little bit of what Ethan struggled with in his time here this past season. So Like we said, this is going to be a run first offense, but if you have someone that can be more efficient, that's how you can try to get those numbers that we saw in 2019 where the passing game was super complimentary of that running game. So I think that's what encourages me the most, but then also that he just feels like he's a part of this culture already and he wants to take on the leadership mantle. So he came on board this bowl prep week to start getting to know his teammates and start being that scout quarterback. So it's been awesome to see that, that determination and that drive to be a part of it right away. 
And Ron, kind of same question. You've played the game. So the history of guys coming from lower level competition mm-hmm. and stepping it up to some conference like the Big Ten right here. Uh, how tough is that going to be? What's the realistic expectations fans should have? And from what you've seen and know of Max's game, what excites you as well? Uh, I don't think it's hard at all. I mean, think about the guys that go to the NFL from those schools. When you yep. talk about a guy in Carson Wentz, uh, you talk about a guy in Joe Flacco, uh, you look at Josh Allen at Wyoming. All of those guys in today's transfer portal era would not have stayed at the schools they were at. Josh Allen probably doesn't stay at Wyoming. He probably ends up at Ohio State or you know maybe a Wisconsin or something like that. Joe Flacco probably doesn't stay in Delaware. He might end up on the East Coast like Penn State or, or, or Maryland or something like that. Like guys now – you know, even Carson Wentz in NDSU, like when, when when he's putting up big numbers like that, talking about first round draft pick, Alabama's going to come after him. Like, hey, man, let's go get this Carson Wentz kid for, for a year or two and see what happens. Like, it's it's a different day and age now. So a guy like Max Brosner, Brosmer, can can he can easy easily step into the Big Ten and play? Because uh, at the end of the day, is just throwing and catching and seeing the defense. And I think PJ Fleck is going to do a good job of that. What what excites me the most is that he's consistent. He's throwing a lot of passes. And so now it's going to be decisiveness. Can he be decisive? That's the thing that Ethan Kalikmanis did not have that Tanner Morgan did. Tanner Morgan didn't have the tools Ethan Kalikmanis had. He didn't have the speed Ethan Kalikmanis had. But he had the ability to make decisions fast. And I think that was the other decision. Ethan Kalikmanis, sometimes you look at his decision or the timing of the throw, and you're like, oh, just or just the consistency of the throw to like put his foot in the right spot and step and throw the ball so it doesn't come out like a duck or doesn't come out late. Um, doesn't go into the ground. That's the little things that I think a guy like Max Brosmer, you know, being at the level of, that he's played, the amount of time he's played, some of the little stuff like just body position, feet married with the chest, chest married with the arm, He's he's got that down. So I don't think we're going to see some of the balls into the ground and some of the stuff. He's going to make quicker decisions. And, again, when you have a running back that can run like that, play action becomes very valuable um, and viable. And when you can be consistent, now, the next step is them finding a tight end. I mean, Brevin Spanford uh, didn't give you a ton this past season. In the past, you felt like he did, you know, have some some decent games. Uh, but this year definitely wasn't what we thought it was going to be. So now it's going to be finding out. Because that just like the NFL, the, the college game marries it sometimes. You need a middle-of-the-field guy. So whether it is Daniel Jackson or it's a new tight end, He's going to Max is going to have to find him a, a key target that he likes in the middle of the field. Yeah. When I think of Max, too, I think I get most excited about who he's playing with potentially. You mentioned, yes, there is a gaping hole at tight end, but still some nice pieces now to work with, I think, for the foreseeable future. Because obviously, every year in college football, you're replacing the majority of your starting seniors with young guys coming up the ranks. I want to know who's the top building blocks right now when you think about the 2024 Gophers roster. Just kind of top of your head. Who's the top three, maybe four guys that are going to end up being maybe the new face of the program now, the new leaders, uh, kind of the identity of this team next year? I imagine Darius Taylor will be in both your top threes. But who else is on the top of the list? Kane, I'll start with you. Yeah. Are you talking just offense or both sides? It could be both sides. Just the, the core pieces and identity of this team next year. 
Yeah, I definitely think uh, Daniel Jackson will be in that category. Of course, Darius Taylor uh, mm-hmm. on the offensive side. I think those two jump at the top of the page. And then flipping the ball, I think Ja Joyner is making a yeah. stronger case for the pushes. He has two sacks today, seven and a half on the season. And I think Cody Lindenberg being fully healthy is definitely going to be the face of that linebacker room. And he makes a difference when he is fully healthy. So I think those four will start to be the core four. But then you look at who are the younger faces that could maybe step up or be additional pieces. I'm really still intrigued by Elijah Spencer, uh, Elijah Spencer on that wide receiver room, but another young name from this past year's class, Kendrick Lanier is someone you definitely should keep an eye on. I think that he's someone that will make a case for snaps next season. Ron, what about you? And by the way, too, just real quick before Ron busts out his top three, uh, to have Cody Lindenberg back and hopefully have just to be able to go out on one fully healthy season because you know when he's healthy, the guy's just an animal. That would be awfully nice to see for Gophers fans. Ron, core identity of this roster, the new faces, if you will, for some of these guys, your top three or four Gophers next year. Yeah, Cody Lindenberg didn't play much of the season, so getting him in the beginning is going to be a big difference. But I'd say uh, you got to look at that back end. Tyler Newman's gone, so I'm going to think they need to lean on Darius Green a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, you'll figure he'll figure it out. Justin Wally um, could be another name, but Josh Joyner today just showing his ability to split the double team, his quickness to get to the ball. Um, you know, he just showed how dominant he can be. And, uh, and he still is learning the game. That's what's crazy about it. He has to learn more. And then offensively, it's easy. It's Darius Taylor. Like, I don't think it, it. we need to go much. I don't need to go much past that. I mean, you'll have Daniel Jackson with the big plays because he did that last year. But Darius Taylor is going to be one of the best running backs in the country next year. So it's definitely going to lean on his shoulders. Yeah, well said. I want to keep diving into this recruiting class just a little bit. Kane, I know you've done a deep dive on it. But first, a quick word about what's coming up right here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Quick reminder, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Ron, he's talking every day on the Ron Johnson Show about the Vikings. Luke Braun, Arif Hassan on the Minnesota Football Party brings together some of the top Vikings podcasters in the city. And Sam Ekstrom, he hosts the Minnesota Basketball Party every Wednesday with Wolves experts Jack Borman and Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. Plus, it's never too late to hop on this T-Wolves bandwagon right now with Ben Beacon on the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day so you never miss a beat. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel and find all our daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. All right, so uh, as we were kind of diving into, uh, plenty of reasons for some hope and optimism next year for sure with so many new pieces in place. But let me circle back to the recruiting class, Kane, that we just watched unfold the last week or two. Top recruit from Minnesota, Coy Parrish. Top recruit from Wisconsin, old lineman Nathan Roy. And the top recruit from North Dakota, lineman Riley Sunram. So uh, you love to keep your own guys in the backyard, but to go get some of these other guys out of state as well, that was pretty impressive. Of those three guys, and maybe you can fling out a guy I didn't even mention, who are you most excited about and who else should we know and maybe jot down that could be a fan favorite in the foreseeable future? I mean, of the three, I think you've got to be most excited about Coy Parrish, not only because he's a hometown kid, but he's an athletic freak. He's listed on 247's top athletic freaks list of the entire high school class. He was top five, I believe, on that list. 
he can do it all. He's he's played on defense. He's played as a running back, as an offense, on a return. So, I mean, Coy Parrish is an all-around athlete, and I think he can make an impact right away as a freshman. Now, we won't, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I think, like Ron just said, Tyler Newbin's going to be gone from that secondary. And so, who knows? There could be an opening to make that immediate impact if he can step up and show that athleticism right away. So he's definitely the one that has me most intrigued. Um, I think a couple other names to keep in mind, definitely quarterback Drake Lindsey. Uh, he kind of went under-recruited a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, Arkansas and Minnesota were really the only two Power 5 schools after him, but he had nearly 4,000 yards passing this year. On top of over the career of his high school years, he had 91 touchdowns to like seven or eight interceptions. So he takes care of the ball, he makes quick reads, and that could maybe be the future of that quarterback position past Max Brosmer. And then the final name that I will mention is Brett Carroll. He is an offensive lineman coming in from the state of Kansas. Uh, the, besides the three top kids you had mentioned from those tops of the states, uh, Brett Carroll's our fourth All-American. So all four of those players made the All-American game at the high school level. Brett Carroll's super intellectual. Seems like he has a really good field IQ and understands what he wants from the game of football. And working with Coach Callahan was really enticing for him. I think he could make an impact, maybe not right away next year, but he could be a future center for this team. Mm, love that. Love that breakdown. Uh, and and Ron, uh, about Coy Parrott, all-around athlete like Kane mentioned, maybe the biggest problem for me, how do you maximize all that talent and skills the most, right? Like, obviously, he's set to play defense, going to be in the back in the secondary, but 77 touches on offense last year in high school, the dude averaged 15 yards per touch, plus the dude scored five touchdowns on special teams too. So as a coach, like, what do you do with that? What's the best game plan to make sure I get my money's worth out of such a special talent like that? I see a little Cooper DeJean in him potentially from Iowa, making sure he can touch the ball a few times every game as well on special teams. Yeah, I mean, there's a thing, man. I'm not going to lie. Minnesota football from a whole standpoint compared to Texas, California, Florida, uh, even Michigan, uh, it's not the same. It's not the same level of uh, just everyday talent that you play against. Uh, when you think about like Wyzetta, Eden Prairie, Edina, some of these schools, and then you talk about well, where are these top players going to college? You don't have a lot. You don't have a lot in the state. So I'm always hesitant to crown guys and give them all these roles. I think for Coy Parrish, one, going to Ohio State and Notre Dame would have been a bad decision for the simple fact of they're going to recruit five stars every year. What level of five-star are you when you arrive on campus? Are you the guy that you're everything they say you are, or are you a guy that still needs to learn? I think he's still a guy that needs to learn. The Big Ten, when you put him next to Tyler Newbin, not even close when you look at their body type, how they're made up, how they stand. So he's going to have to come in. One, great athlete, uh, really good kid. I think he's going to have to come in and really just work. Work hard, make sure he understands everything. I would not waste him right now on offense at this age. Um, Cooper DeGene earned everything he's doing as he went on. Charles Woodson even earned the right to be, you know, play receiver every once in a while or kick return, a punt return. Uh, it doesn't happen as a freshman. Like that's not a normal thing to come in as a true freshman and say, oh, we're just gonna put you everywhere. Um, if that was the case and nothing against it, I, you know, I think he ends up, if he's one of those kids, you, you know, Tra he ends up where Travis Hunter is. He ends up, you know, at somewhere with big time Colorado type money. Um, it's definitely not that, but again, he has to come in and earn it. I would come in with the mindset that I'm going to earn it. If I'm the best player on this recruiting class, what do I look like against the Big Ten? What do I look like against the nation? That's where I would start. 
From there, I'm going to go with Drake Lindsay as a guy that I like for the simple fact of his size. When you talk about size and prototypical quarterbacks, again, but in this, in this NIL era, hopefully he comes in knowing I'm sitting behind Max Brosmer for one year and then I get to take over if I do everything I need to do. Because we've always said that about every quarterback. Oh, man, he's, he's getting recruited. He's going to take over. when so. And then all of a sudden somebody else gets recruited. Like this mm-hmm. football is one of those sports where everybody every year is coming in to take your position. Uh, I mean, look at look at the kid from Ohio State. He was on a top 10 team and he wants to leave. Like that's what tells you everything you need to know about this. Like it's it's definitely not about like I'm going to compete. But Ohio State went and cr- cr- recruited two other uh, five star or four star quarterback. So he's like, all right, man, I'm out of here. Like mm-hmm. Kyle McCord is like, eh, I, I don't feel like you're going to give me a chance over this air. Uh, I forgot his last name, kid. Nolan. Uh, air Nolan. Yeah. So he's like, I'm out. So when I look at Drake Lindsay, I think that's the plan. Have him sit, come in next year and be a guy because he looks like a guy that can sit back and pass. And then from there, you start making sure whether it's in the transfer portal or recruiting, you get him some weapons. Because right now you have a running back and you can have a running back and two top receivers or a running back, a receiver and a tight end. You don't need five. Like you just need to find two to three guys that can complement them. Uh, and, and that's where I kind of go with the group. I, I think, you know, Coy Paris is going to come in. He probably will. You know, when you think about Tyler Newbin leaving, he probably does get to come in and start as a freshman alongside Darius Green. That's why I said Darius Green's name, because I'm like, well, if you got a freshman next to you, you got to be the guy to get everybody lined up on the back end because this freshman is not going to know it uh, because Tyrone Carter played as a freshman, you know, early on. Willie Middlebrooks played as a freshman. You think about Antoine Winfield played as a freshman. So I think Coy Parrish has the opportunity to be those guys, has the opportunity to make it to the NFL, um, but you have to come in with that humble mindset of, let me just get in here. I don't think the coaches are worried about getting their money's worth, um, but if he is a serviceable punt returner and he's a little bit better than what we've seen, I would for sure put him on punt return as well. Yeah, that's a really good breakdown there. And, and Kane, I want to ask you about the new quarterback, Lindsey, as well. But you, you mentioned a bevy of guys that you love from this year's class that we can jot down. When you stack this class up on top of last year's class, guys like Greg Johnson, another old lineman from Prior Lake, Whiteout Kenrick Lanier, two more four-star recruits right there. Now, all of a sudden, this offense looked like at least they got some raw talent to play with, doesn't it? Like how excited should fans be when you look at last year's class mixed with this year's class when we do get two, three years down the road? And and what do you think the strengths of the team might be by then? Because to me, when I just look at it on paper, that offensive line looks like it might not skip a beat. And the Gophers offense, they might have some splash play ability that maybe we haven't seen. Or, or I mean, call me out. Am I getting a little ahead of myself there? I mean, I think it could be slightly ahead of yourself just because I think when it comes to the Gophers, everything is based on development. So you could be this four-star guy, but maybe it's towards the lower end of what they call the recruiting four stars. It really, sure. some of our best players end up being three-star guys. And some, I think Mo came out as a two-star guy immediately. Right. So it really comes to the development and how you fit that system. And I think that's a, what a lot of high school athletes these days aren't looking at too much is what how I fit the system as opposed to what schools are offering me what's the biggest schools that are offering me so I think that starts to weed itself out with this new transfer portal landscape and people seeing they don't fit that system or they don't get the time and all of a sudden they hit the portal but I think overall there is reasons to be excited I mean we've heard Kenrick Lanier's name uh, this spring this fall and even during this bowl prep coach Fleck was talking about how he really stood out 
but then we didn't see him at all in the game today. Now the Gophers didn't pass very much at all. So it'd be hard to get him on the field. So I think there's a lot of good clay that could be developmental for this program in the long term. But I think overall, you just got to see it actually develop because coach Fleck is definitely a player that has to see the trust and feel the trust before he'll get you on there for the snaps. Yeah. And just real quick too, I want to give you the last word on the quarterback situation too. I know Ron kind of already tackled it a little bit. Got Max in here now. A lot of people pumped about Drake Lindsay from Arkansas as well. 91 touchdowns in two years, only seven interceptions led his team to a 13 or no perfect season. He could be the guy we turn to in 2025 and beyond potentially. What do you like about him? Uh, like Ron said, he's he's huge. He's like six five, six six. He's already built for. He's going to get stronger in the strength program or whatnot. But he's already a really big dude. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that developed for him a lot was being able to read the field quickly and not put the ball into harm's way, but having more of those anticipatory throws. And I think that's going to be pertinent. But now you got to get him up to speed because playing at the what highest or second highest level in Arkansas is not the same as playing in the big 10. So he's going to have to definitely get up to speed, but he is early enrolling in January. So it'll be fun to see how he stacks up with these two uh, transfer quarterbacks that are coming in and both have starting experience at different levels. So hopefully he'll be picking their brains and really trying to get himself as caught up as he can within this next year. Uh, one more quick one here. I, I can't help but think about, what this Big Ten conference is just going to look like now moving forward, all these Pac-12 teams that we're used to see in a lot of shootouts right over there on the West Coast. Ron, how's the game going to change, if at all? Uh, will the Gophers be forced to play in more shootouts now with all these Pac-12 teams? Just what's your quick two cents, I guess, on what we should expect or your prediction on what the Big Ten is going to look like next year now with all these teams moving forward? I mean, college football is college football. We, we've seen the big 10 play ucla usc i mean we've done that before playing usc before um nothing changed we played cal even you know like now you're just changing conferences i think the biggest thing is going to be honestly it has nothing to do with football football plays whoever anyway because they can charter flights they can get there they play on the weekend one game a week and then that's it i i i i'm i'm just like all these other coaches i think that softball baseball basketball volleyball uh softball they're gonna suffer like they have to play two games a week. Sometimes they have to play three game series. And now all of a sudden you're having a three game series in use at, you know, for the Gophers in LA at UCLA. Then you come back home. They have to turn around and have another three game series at USC. Is it great softball to see? Yeah. Am I excited to see Maya Brady, Tom Brady's uh, niece? Heck yeah. Like I love softball. So I'm like, I'm excited for that volleyball. My daughter plays it as well. Softball. I love that. Like being able to go play UCLA volleyball, play Oregon volleyball. Uh, you're going to see Nebraska, Number one, number two in the country now get to go play a UCLA USC. Um, and and everybody in the Big Ten is gonna, you know, be like, whoa, like what's going on with this? Or why is this team here? You know, Oregon, same thing. Football, I think the scope is gonna look the same. You're gonna have the same teams in the top 10 in the top 10. They're just gonna be in the Big Ten now. Like nothing's really gonna change. The Gophers, you know, they're gonna have to claw, scratch, and fight to to, to try to get close to a top 25 ranking. But now they're going to play more teams that give them a better chance. I think they match up pretty well when you talk about running the ball down people's throats against UCLA and USC. UCLA just lost their quarterback and Dante Moore. Um, you know, like it, it's a lot happening for the scope of sports. But football is the one that I don't think will ever hurt and ever be bothered by any conference realignment. I think other sports are what everybody's pissed off about. 
because of their lack of means of travel. The one thing I do want to say, though, and we didn't bring this up, and I meant to say this. I'm going to tweet this out, too, but this might be a video a clip. Mm-hmm. Everybody's out here talking like Revenge of the Nerds. We saw that movie. So the fact that y'all wanted to talk about the Gophers grades versus this other team, Bowling Green, one, you should have watched the movie Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds always win. So the smart guys won. Two, maybe this is a show to the bowl <laughs> committees to say, hey, instead of us having to take a six or seven win Bowling Green or Eastern Michigan, maybe we just take some big team and power five teams that won five games. Because yeah. clearly Minnesota without a quarterback, without a lot of their players, without their you know star safety, they still were better than this team, Bowling Green, who won seven games, who everybody considers the team that earned their way in, the Gophers got in because of grades. Still a better team. So screw this APR and all this other crap. If it's a five-win team and they're better, just put them, like, take them. Like, why do you want Eastern Michigan versus Western Kentucky? I'm pretty sure you'd rather have, like, Minnesota versus Eastern Michigan or Minnesota versus Western Kentucky. Or let's just go Minnesota versus whoever, like, Colorado. I'm pretty sure a four-win Colorado would have sold more bowl game tickets than any of these teams out there. So, again, never going to happen. I know the bowl game is about six wins and getting the six wins, but the fact that a five-win team just went in and beat your qualified team to get in, we, like we're, we changed NIL. That was supposed to happen. Change the bowl scope. There's nothing saying that it has to be six wins. It's just be like, look, we want the we want the most marketable teams in our bowl games. Colorado with four wins is way more marketable than East Kentucky or Western Kentucky and uh, Eastern Michigan. Like, come on. Like, you might not have got a fight like you got somebody to punch. Well, you never know. Colorado got some got some guys that were willing to throw some balls. But you're not going to get somebody to punch somebody in the back of the head. But, hey, I think that was like Eastern Michigan and, and South uh, South Alabama, though. Then you had – you had um, Western Kentucky versus, I forgot who, Memphis maybe, I think is who they played because that one was a shootout too. But either way, I'm pretty sure you'd rather have Western Kentucky versus Colorado. Like, it is what it is. I get it. I get the whole scope of it. But, man, like, come I, on now. I, I think we just got Ron Johnson's latest viral video clip live <laughs> right here. You heard it here first because, uh, honestly, Ron, I think a lot of people would agree with you. So, well said. All right, last one, final end-of-the-year awards of the 2023 season now that it's come to a close. Listen, team MVP, we've already talked about this, Tyler Newbin, Biggest breakout player, that's Darius Taylor. Who was the most improved player on the roster from beginning of the year to what we saw at the end? And we've mentioned a lot of guys here in this last 30, 32 minutes. But if you had to pick one, Kane, I'll start with you. Most improved guy on the roster and a guy you're excited to see more of next year. I'm going to I'm gonna go with someone we already mentioned, Ja Joyner. I think he had one and a half sacks last year. He had seven and a half this year. But I think the big thing was Coach Debo coming in, having experience, having been with the Oregon pass rushers and their pass rushing academy. But it comes down to the little details, and I feel like those have started to click with Ja. He could get the pressures before, but now he's starting to get the sacks. So the sky's the limit for him in 2024 to keep on ticking it up. Ron, who you got? I'm going to go with Jordan Newbin. Like, he was a kid that wasn't even supposed to play. I like and then that. he gets in, and he just he has one of the best running back seasons uh, you know, in a short amount of time mm-hmm. than any other running back. They got out there and got the opportunity. Now, again, we had a lot of injuries. <laughs> I mean, it was like the walking wounded with that running back's room. But he was a guy that wasn't supposed to play. So to go from like, you know, okay, because like, again, during – and I said this. I said this early. If you go back to my Tyler Newbin and my Jordan Newbin interview this summer, during spring ball, after the spring game, I said, Jordan Newbin, I told him on the podcast, I said, dude, you deserve to play. Now, I don't know if he was going to play. Then what happens – uh, what's his name? Sean Tyler comes in and they just deem him RB1. Fumble jail, he ends up in. Then you start letting Darius play. Then you he gets hurt. Then Jordan Newman plays. 
I said from the start, Jordan Newbin should have been RB1 with Darius Taylor as his backup. Nothing against Sean Tyler, but just when you watch them during spring game, um, during spring game and all that stuff, Jordan Newbin looked way shiftier. He looked way more compact. He looked way more like he bought his, you know, he bought his lunch pail with every run. Uh, Sean Tyler was more of a scat back. I feel like he'd have been better with some screen game stuff, lining up at, at receiver, motion out the backfield, creating mismatches. Go old school, three running back football motion one of your running backs i mean they could have done a lot of stuff with that group um but jordan newbin and me was was one of the most improved players yeah something in the water over there at the newbin household man because the football genes are legit jordan starts the year out as rb5 on the depth chart now you know he's going to be a major focal point of the offense in 2024 all right great stuff as always fellas huge shout out to yourselves everyone who joined us all season long right here on the lockdown gophers postcast appreciate all of you guys and all the love in the comments section all year Gophers win on a high note. They end the season uh, winning the pinstripe bowl over Bowling Green 30-24. P.J. Fleck now 5-0 and in Gophers Bowl games. Rest assured, we'll be back next season breaking it all down right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. So make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date. And you can follow Kane Rob on Lockdown Gophers every week for all the new updates as well. Plus Ron Johnson, Gophers legend, Hall of Famer. Check him out every Tuesday on the Ron Johnson Show right here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. All right, for Ron Johnson, Kane Rob, I'm Luke Inman. Until next year, signing out.